Daniel chapter 4, let's just bow in prayer and ask God to bless us as we get into the prophetic part pretty soon. I thought we would today. I don't know. I think we will. Lord, we just thank you for this wonderful book, especially this book of Daniel, because it unlocks the whole book of Revelation and prophetic teaching. And so we just thank you for it. We thank you for the whole Bible, and we want to lay it up in our hearts. That's what we're supposed to do so that we don't sin against you. So be with us today and bless this time in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. We saw last week about the three friends of Daniel being thrown into the fiery furnace, and I read to you from the Septuagint um, how, in, as an extra, it's the prayer of the three boys in the, while they're in the fiery furnace. It's Azariah's prayer. And I loved what the Septuagint says, that the fire was taken out and just a, a mist was in there, in the middle of the fiery furnace. The fire was belching way up into the sky, maybe 20 feet, but they were walking around in this huge kiln and talking to each other like in a steam room. But anyway, they were walking around and breathing this air and uh, how God provided for that. And then how Nebuchadnezzar, evidently they had a hole at the bottom, a big one, and a big one at the top of this huge thing. They probably killed a lot of people this way. And anyway, he was looking in at a distance and he said, didn't we throw three men in there? And I see four. And one looks like the Son of God. Well, one was the Son of God uh, with them. And uh, so they came out unscathed without even the smell of the fire on them. And so after that, Nebuchadnezzar promoted them, the last verse of chapter 3. He promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. So then he writes this testimony, I call it, and yet it's a state paper. Nebuchadnezzar the king, to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I thought it good to declare the signs and wonders that the Most High God has worked for me. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. It sounds like he got saved, doesn't it? Not yet. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in my house and flourishing in my palace. I saw a dream, and it made me afraid, and the thoughts on my bed and the visions of my head troubled me. Therefore, I issued a decree to bring in all the wise men of Babylon before me, that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. Then the magicians, the astrologers, the Chaldeans, the soothsayers came in, and I told them the dream but they didn't make known to me its interpretation. But at last Daniel came before me. His name is Belteshazzar. They changed the names of the boys to represent one of their gods. Bel is his god. It's like Satan because behind every idol is a demon, Paul tells us in the New Testament. Behind every idol is a demon. So these were it's this demonic religion that they had in Babylon. Last Daniel came, <laughs> whose name is Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God. In him, though, in Daniel, is the spirit of the holy God. And I told the dream before him, saying, Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy God is in you, and no secret troubles you. Explain to me the visions of my dream that I have seen and its interpretation. These were the visions of my head while on my bed. I was looking, and behold, a tree in the midst of the earth, and its height was great. The tree grew and became strong. Its height reached to the heavens, and it could be seen to the ends of all the earth. 
Its leaves were lovely, its fruit abundant, and in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it. The birds of the heavens dwelt in its branches, and all flesh was fed from it. And I saw in the visions of my head while on my bed, and there was a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven. He cried aloud and said, Chop down the tree, cut off its branches, strip off its leaves, and scatter its fruit. Let the beasts get out from under it and the birds from its branches. Nevertheless, leave the stump and roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze. In the tender grass of the field, let it be wet with the dew of heaven and let him graze with the beasts on the grass of the earth. Let his heart be changed from that of a man. Let him be given the heart of an animal and let seven times pass over him. This decision is by the decree of the watchers and the sentence by the word of the holy ones in order that the living may know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he wills and sets over it the lowest of men. Well, that kind of fits today, doesn't it? Alexander was an alcoholic. Julius Caesar, uh, Napoleon were epileptic. Hitler was abnormal. (coughs) He was interbred. And they were, all of them, into demon possession. He sets over governments the lowest of men. This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now you, Belteshazzar, declare its interpretation, since all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation, but you are able, for the spirit of the holy God is in you. And Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was astonished for a time, and his thoughts troubled him. So the king spoke and said, Belteshazzar, don't let the dream or its interpretation trouble you. Belteshazzar answered and said, My lord, may the dream concern those who hate you, and its interpretation concern your enemies. The tree that you saw, which grew and became strong, whose height reached to the heavens, and which could be seen by all the earth, whose leaves were lovely and its fruit abundant, in which was food for all under which the beasts of the field dwelt, and on whose branches the birds of heaven had their habitation. It's you. You're this tree, O king, who have grown and become strong. For your greatness has grown and reaches to the heavens, and your dominion to the ends of the earth. And inasmuch as the king saw a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, Chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave its stump and roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze in the tender grass of the field. Let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let him graze with the beasts of the field till seven times pass over him. And we know from Revelation the time and times and half a time, three and a half years, this is seven years, till seven years pass over him. This is the interpretation. I've read a lot of things about all the liberals and half-liberal want to do away with Daniel. They can't believe that anyone could foretell the future like Daniel does. But we who believe the Bible know that God can tell the future and he's given us the whole book of Revelation that takes us clear to heaven. But he said, seven times will pass over you. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High which has come upon my Lord the King. They shall drive you from men. Your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make you eat grass like oxen. They shall wet you with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over you till you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men. Not you, 
and gives it to whomever he chooses. And inasmuch as they give the command to leave the stump and roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be assured to you after you come to know that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by being righteous and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps there may be a, a lengthening of your prosperity. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar, but not right away. At the end of 12 months, see, he kind of must have forgotten this sort of. At the 12 months, he was walking about the royal palace of Babylon. The king spoke, saying, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty? While the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from you, and they shall drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make you eat grass like oxen, and seven years, seven times, shall pass over you, until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. That very hour, see, God gave him a period of grace where he could change, but he didn't. That very hour, after 12 months, was fulfilled concerning Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from man, ate grass like oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. And at the end of the time, and some say that there are records of insane people that imagine that they are beasts like this. And so Dr. Ryrie mentions this too. He thinks probably the king was kept in one of the royal parks during his insanity. But anyway, at the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my understanding returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. To me, this is such a miracle that after being seven years like this, that he could be restored and given his kingdom and have all of his nobles and everyone come back to him. So he says, at the end of the time, I praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain his hand or say to him, What have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and splendor returned to me. My counselors and nobles resorted to me. I was restored to my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all of whose works are truth, and his ways justice, and those who walk in pride, he is able to abase." Now, do you think we'll see him in heaven someday? I wouldn't be surprised. Now, sometime 50 or 60 years later, we start chapter 5. Belshazzar the king, so he's the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. Belshazzar the king made a great feast for a thousand of his lords, and there are records of these huge banquet halls. Persian kings frequently had 15,000 guests to dinner. How would you like that? And the Assyrian king Ashurbanipal II had 69,574 guests at the dedication of his new capital of Kala, which is Nimrud, in 879 B.C. So they were capable of having just these enormous dinners. And so 
Belshazzar the king made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in the presence of the thousand. While he tasted the wine, Belshazzar gave the command, though he probably started to get drunk. And I've written here that he's co-regent with Nabonidus, who was the last Babylonian king. So while he tasted the wine, he gave the command. He thought, well, what are we going to do that's different? Let's bring the gold and silver vessels, which my father or grandfather or relative, Nebuchadnezzar, had taken from the temple, which had been in Jerusalem. It was, the Babylonians destroyed the temple in Jerusalem. All that beautiful... And when you read about Solomon's temple, it must have been the most glorious building. And when we ever get to Kings, uh, Dr. Unger in his book mentions that the two pillars in front of his temple, Jacob and Boaz, they were named that. But what were they? Freestanding pillars. And I have wondered always what they were. But Dr. Unger says that they're called crescents and they are fire pillars. They were open at the top. And so there was no electricity. So at night, imagine in front of Solomon's temple, these glorious things with a huge fire pillar coming out of them, lightening the whole area. Wouldn't that be thrilling to see? Because this was up high. It could be seen for miles and miles and miles. Anyway, that's what those pillars were there. But all of that was destroyed by the Babylonians and all the gold and, and the beauty of Solomon's temple. But anyway, he said, let's drink wine from the gold and silver vessels which Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple, which had been in Jerusalem, that the king, his lords, his wives, and his concubines, so not just the thousand of his lords, but all the other, their wives and concubines, might drink from them. Then they brought the gold vessels that had been taken from the temple of the house of God, which had been in Jerusalem, and the king and his lords, his wives, and his concubines drank from them. Now, this was just blasphemy right in God's face. It's like Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should worship him or have anything to do with him? Well, so they drank the wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze and iron, wood and stone. In the same hour, the fingers of a man's hand appeared and wrote opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. They probably had a lot of lampstands at night you know, not fire pillars like them, but pillars that would be uh, lighting up the whole place. So he saw the fingers of a man's hand and wrote something on the wall of the palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. It wasn't an unheard of language. It was Aramaic, but he didn't understand it. And now whether it was upside down or whether it was mixed up some way, but the king's countenance changed. It frightened him terribly. His thoughts troubled him so that the joints of his hips were loosened and his knees knocked together against each other. Imagine a drunk having his knees knocking together. Then the king cried aloud to bring in the astrologers, the Chaldeans, the soothsayers. And the king spoke, saying to the wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and tells me its interpretation shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around his neck. And he shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. See, the first was Nabonidus and then Belshazzar, and then this would be open. Now all the king's wise men came, but they couldn't read the writing or make known to the king its interpretation. Then King Belshazzar was greatly troubled. His countenance was changed, and his lords were astonished. The queen mother, and this may be Nabonidus' wife maybe, 
or maybe Belshazzar's mother, but the queen, because of the words of the king and his lords, came to the banquet hall. She's probably an aged woman. And the queen spoke, saying, O king, live forever. Do not let your thoughts trouble you, nor let your countenance change. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy God. And in the days of your father, Nebuchadnezzar, grandfather, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, made him chief, made this person chief of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers, inasmuch as an excellent spirit, knowledge, understanding, interpreting dreams, solving riddles, and explaining enigmas were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will give the interpretation. Then Daniel was brought in before the king. Now he's probably 80 years old at this time. And the king spoke and said to Daniel, Are you that Daniel who is one of the captives from Judah, whom my father the king brought from Judah? I have heard of you that the Spirit of God is in you, and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. Now the wise men, the astrologers, have been brought in before me, that they should read this writing and make known to me its interpretation, but they couldn't give the interpretation of the thing. And I have heard of you that you can give interpretations and explain enigmas. Now, if you can read the writing and make known to me its interpretation, you shall be clothed with purple, have a chain of gold around your neck, and be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, Let your gifts be for yourself and give your rewards to another. Yet I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation. O king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar your father a kingdom, majesty, glory, and honor. And because of the majesty that he gave him, all people, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him. Whomever he wished, he executed. Whomever he wished, he kept alive. Whomever he wished, he set up. And whomever he wished, he put down. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened in pride, he was deposed from his kingly throne and they took his glory from him. Then he was driven from the sons of men. His heart was made like the beasts and his dwelling was with the wild donkeys. They fed him grass like oxen and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till he knew that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and appoints over it whomever he chooses. But you, his son... Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, although you knew all this. Underline that. You knew about this. And you've lifted yourself up against the Lord of heaven. They have brought the vessels of his house before you. And you, your lords, your wives, your concubines have drunk wine from them. And you have praised the gods of silver and gold, bronze and iron, wood and stone, which do not see or hear or know. And the God who holds your breath in his hand and owns all your ways you have not glorified. Then the fingers of the hand were sent from him, and this writing was written, and this is the inscription that was written. Mene, Mene, double, in other words, it's settled. Mene, Mene, Tikal, you farson. The you means and. So God has numbered and finished your kingdom and put an end to it. It's in the Aramaic. This whole first part of Daniel is in the Aramaic, but starting with chapter 8, it's in Hebrew, because it especially has to do with the Jewish people. But this is worldwide. This is the times of the Gentiles that we read about last week in Luke 21. So he said, Mene, Mene, Tekel, Eupharsin. 
This is the interpretation of each word, meaning God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. Tekel, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Perish, your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. This may be a takeoff on Persia, Paris. Your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and Persians. So it's going to be a dual kingdom. Then Belshazzar gave the command, and they immediately clothed Daniel with purple and put a chain. Uh, see, he probably had this huge banquet because he knew the Persians were at the doors of Babylon. He didn't realize that they had diverted the Euphrates, but they were out there, and yet he had this huge banquet. But he thought Babylon is impregnable because of the high walls, that four chariots abreast could race around the walls. It was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. It's in the garden that he built. So anyway, he gave the command, and they clothed Daniel and proclaimed him the third ruler in the kingdom. But that very night, while he was doing this, Belshazzar, king of the Chaldeans, was slain. And Darius, or Cyrus, the Mede. Now, I know it's probably called Darius, but I've always called it Darius, so will you excuse me while I do call it Darius? And that very night, Belshazzar, the king of the Chaldeans, king of Babylon was slain. The Babylonian Empire came to an end, and then, just like in chapter 2, there would be four world empires, and the first would be Nebuchadnezzar, the head of gold, and after him would be a less important one. Let's look back there again to the second chapter and just see this vision, because it's going to be repeated over and over. He said, You were watching in chapter 2, verse 31. A great image whose splendor was excellent stood before you, and its form was awesome. It ended up, that's Babylon. The image's head was fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, and its belly and thighs of bronze. So each successive world empire was a little less powerful or because Nebuchadnezzar was an absolute ruler. But it's not that way with the Medes and Persians. They had counselors and, and that they had to check with. And so the image's head was gold, and next world empire would be the silver one. And the third one would be belly and thighs of bronze. That would be Greece. And the last one would be the Roman Empire. Then the final, the fifth kingdom is verse 34. You watched while a stone, this is the cornerstone. This is that stone which the builders rejected. A stone was cut out without hands. This is Jesus, which struck the image on his feet. This is when he comes back to rule of iron, clay, and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were crushed together, became like chaff from the summer threshing floors. And the stone that struck the image became a great mountain. See the imagery here? First, the tree that we saw was was the king. And now this mountain is a mighty empire that will fill the whole earth and last forever. And so this is the dream that he saw, but verse 44 says, but it's going to be repeated in the days of these kings. So the Babylonian empire is going to be revived. The Medes and Persians, they will be. Greece and Rome, all of these, in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom. And I gave you the list of it, Babylon or Iraq in 1932 after World War I, Persia, which is Iran in 1942. See, they were given all this land after the Muslim caliphate fell. Greece, 1925, and Rome, 1870. And then we're going to see the horns in Daniel 8, 
of the goat, Greece, Turkey, Syria, and Egypt. All of these, in the 20s, they came back and were given land after World War I. You see, the liberal cannot imagine that any god could tell the future like this through Daniel. So they make up a later Daniel. They say Daniel wrote much after these things really came to pass. But that's not true. So we see back here, that very night, Belshazzar, king of the Chaldeans, verse 30, was slain. And Darius the Mede received the kingdom, being about 62 years old. And in Isaiah 45, some feel that this is another name for Cyrus, the king of Persia. And remember when (laughs) Harry Truman must have been a, a student of the Bible somewhat, because when he voted to give Israel to have it be a nation again, he said, I am Cyrus. See, Cyrus let all the Jewish people that were slaves go back to their land if they wanted to. So he's saying, I'm Cyrus. The Jews can go back and have a land if they want to. And they did. But that was something that the president in front of everybody said that. And Darius the Mede, or Cyrus the Persian, received the kingdom, being about 62 years old. Let's look and see about Isaiah 45 and see his name. Thus says the Lord to his anointed. Now, this is Cyrus. Oh, verse 20 of chapter 44. Well, I should read this a little bit, but you can go home and read it. Verse 27. Who says to the deep, be dry, and I will dry up your rivers. Who says of Cyrus, he's going to be my shepherd. He will perform all my pleasure, God's saying of him. I'm going to use him. Even saying to Jerusalem, you shall be built, and the temple, your foundation shall be laid. Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have held, to subdue nations before him and loose the armor of kings, to open before him the double doors. That would be the double doors of Babylon, so that the gates will not be shut. He was to act as the Lord's agent to bring down Babylon. I will go before you and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron. I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places, that you may know, Cyrus, that I, the Lord, who call you by your name, am the God of Israel. See, God named certain people before they were born. Did he name Jesus? Yes. And he said, I will call you by your name, and the God of Israel, for Jacob my servant's sake, and Israel my elect. I have even called you by your name. I have named you, though you have not known me. Isn't that interesting? I've named you, Cyrus, even though you don't believe in me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. There is no God beside me. I will gird you, though you have not known me, that they may know from the rising of the sun to its setting, there is none besides me. I am the Lord. There is no other. I form the light, create darkness. I make peace and create calamity. I, the Lord, do all these things. Now, this is what they did to Nebuchadnezzar. Rain down you heavens and so forth. And then verse 9 says, Woe to him who strives with his maker. That's what Belshazzar was doing. So back here, that night, Belshazzar was killed. So then Darius comes on the scene, or Cyrus. It pleased him to set over the kingdom 120 assistants, or satraps, to be over the whole kingdom. So it's not like Nebuchadnezzar, an absolute ruler, is it? He was going to have 120 people that would be his assistants, and would, he'd be accountable, sort of, to them. And over these 
three governors, of whom Daniel was one. So right away, Daniel was raised to a big position that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. Do you think that made him popular with the other heathen astrologers and satraps and governors? No. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But since he was the perfect person, really, I mean, you wouldn't think he'd ever sinned until we come to the 10th chapter and he said, when he prays to the Lord, and he says, we have sinned. So he included himself. So he was a sinner too. But otherwise, he was just a wonderful, wonderful person. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. And back in Hebrews 11, it mentions this, and when we get to the lion's den, we'll probably read that, chapter 11. Then these men said, we won't find any charge against this Daniel. Now see, this hints of anti-Semitism too, doesn't it? They didn't like because he was Jewish. He said, these governors and satraps throng before the king. We have to find something concerning the law of his God. So these governors and satraps thronged before the king and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, now not necessarily all of them, they were clear to India. They wouldn't have had time to come. And the administrators and satraps, the counselors, advisors, they said, but we said, all of us have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. See, that's what they said. It's unchangeable, this Medo-Persian law. And we saw that in Esther. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree because it probably puffed up his head a little more. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he was unafraid. He knew they were watching him. With his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom. See, that's what all the Jews, when they were in captivity, they would pray, looking back to Jerusalem and say, someday we'll go back to our land. But they knew it would be 70 years captivity in Babylon, but it was going to be Cyrus that was going to let them go back. So he knelt on his knees three times that day and prayed, gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any God or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. So they answered and said before the king, That Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, does not show due regard for you, O king, or for the decree that you've signed, but makes his petition three times a day. See, now the king knew that he'd been taken. And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself. 
and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men approached the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it's the law of the Medes and Persians that no decree or statute which the king establishes, that we helped you and you signed it, can be changed. So the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Your God, now he's saying to Daniel, Your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. He must deliver you. Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signets. And I wondered if the same sort of thing happened when Jesus was put in the tomb and the stone rolled over it and probably the signet of the king, Herod, was put on it. A stone was brought and laid on the mouth, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signets of his lords, that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. Now the king went to his palace, spent the night fasting. No musicians were brought before him. Also his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. And the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Then the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatever was found on him because he believed in his God. And the king gave the command and they brought those men who had accused Daniel. I don't know how many would they be, but all of these counselors that accused him and cast them in to the den of lions. Them, their children and their wives, and the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces before they ever came to the bottom of the den. Well, then King Darius wrote, To all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. See, this is a great witness in Persia. For he is a living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues, and he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth, who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Now this may be, it sounds like maybe their father and son, their relatives. So anyway, I wanted to just look at Hebrews 11. It mentions all the heroes of faith, how God delivered many of them from dying. And it said here, it mentions about Moses and everybody that was saved by faith. The harlot Rahab, verse 31, didn't perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, 
See, not everybody's delivered. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings, scourgings. See, you think of Stephen in the New Testament. Yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two, like Isaiah put in an empty log and cut in two. And they were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And all these, starting with Abraham and, no, starting with Abel, uh, a man of faith, all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. The resurrection, God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect without us. So anyway, back here to this. So Daniel was spared that. Now then, in chapter 7, in the first year, which would be 553 B.C., or I think a round number, like 550 years before Jesus. So you see, it would be 550 years till Jesus. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions on his head. Now, this is the same thing, this vision, that chapter 2 is. Chapter 2 would appeal to men. It was a mighty image, gold and silver, but now they're wild beasts. The same thing, same world empires. The first year of Belshazzar, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head while on his bed. Then he wrote down the dream, telling the main facts. Daniel spoke, saying, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven, this would be God's power clashing with rebellious man's plan. I saw in my vision four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. That would be the Mediterranean. And four great beasts came up from the sea, each different from the other. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I watched till its wings were plucked off, and it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand on two feet like a man, and a man's heart was given to it. So this begins the times of the Gentiles, and this is Babylon. So Babylon was the first one, like a lion. And some say that all of the palaces in Babylon had images of lions at their gates at the front. But who is the lion of the tribe of Judah? That's Jesus, see. He's the real lion. See, first was like a lion. It's the fifth verse. And suddenly another beast, a second, like a bear. It was raised up on one side and had three ribs in its mouth. So this is Medo-Persia and had three ribs in its mouth. And maybe some would say that it would be three countries like Egypt and different ones that they conquered. Another like a bear. This is Medo-Persia. It was raised up on one side, had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth, and they said thus to it, Arise, devour much flesh. After this I looked, and there was another, like a leopard. Now this would be Greece. You can write that in your Bible. Greece, like a leopard, which had on its back four wings of a bird. The beast also had four heads, and dominion was given to it. After this I saw in the night vision, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful, terrible, exceedingly strong. It had huge teeth. It was devouring, breaking in pieces, trampling the residue with its feet. This would be Rome. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I was considering the horns, and there was another horn, a little one. This would be finally the Antichrist coming up among them. 
before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots. And there in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking pompous words. I watched till thrones were put in place and the Ancient of Days was seated. Now this is a wonderful picture of God the Father and God the Son. The Ancient of Days would be the Father. And the Ancient of Days was seated. His garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him up in heaven. The court was seated, and the books were opened. I watched then, because of the sound of the pompous words which the horn was speaking. I watched till the beast was slain, and its body destroyed, and given to the burning flame. As for the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away. Yet, same thing that we read in chapter 2, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. We can expect all these world empires to be back on the world scene in the end days, and they are back today. That's what we read in Daniel 2, and you probably wrote it down. Babylon became a nation, Iraq, in 1932. This is all really kind of, in our, some of us older folks, lifetime. In Iran, Persia, 1942, Greece, 1925, Rome, a little earlier, 1870, then Turkey, 1923, Syria, and Egypt. So the four parts of Alexander's kingdom were divided among his four generals. One took Greece, one took Turkey, one took Syria, one took Egypt. And they're all back today in the days. And the last one to come on the world scene in 1948, who was it? Israel. 1948, Israel became a nation again after all these others. But it isn't an afterthought. God planned it. And so back here to see what was going to happen. And so they would come back on the world scene again. I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. So this is Jesus, the second person of the Trinity. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him, to Jesus, was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion, this is the stone kingdom, his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed. I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit within my body, and the visions of my head troubled me. I came near to one of those who stood by and asked him the truth of all this. So he told me and made known to me the interpretation of these things. Those great beasts, which are four, are four kings or world empires which rise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom. Now, this hasn't happened yet. We haven't received the kingdom. But well, that's our prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. See, someday, but as far as God's concerned, it's already happened. Uh, the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. Then I wish to know the truth about the fourth beast, which was different from all the others, exceedingly dreadful. Its teeth of iron and nails of bronze, which devoured, broke in pieces, and trampled the residue with its feet, and about the ten horns that were on its head, and about the other horn which came up, before which three fell, namely a horn that had eyes and a mouth which spoke pompous words, whose appearance was greater than its fellows. 
I was watching, and the same horn was making war against the saints and prevailing against them until the Ancient of Days came and a judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High. That would be Israel. And the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. Thus he said, The fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all other kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, trample it, break it in pieces. The ten horns are ten kings who shall arise from this kingdom, and another shall rise after them. He shall be different from the first ones, and shall subdue three kings. He shall speak pompous words against the Most High, and persecute the saints of the Most High, and shall intend to change times and law. Then the saints shall be given into his hand for a time and times and half a time. This is after the Antichrist comes on in Revelation 13. The last three and a half years are the worst of the tribulation. But the court shall be seated, and they shall take away his dominion and consume and destroy it forever. Then the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people, the saints of the Most High. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. This is the end of the account. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly troubled me and my countenance changed, but I kept the matter in my heart. Now I want us to read just a few things here from Matthew 24. Turn there just a minute. When Jesus, before he died on the cross, his disciples showed him the temple and he said, not one stone will be left upon another. They'll all be thrown down. But as he sat, verse 3, on the Mount of Olives, the disciples said, well, when are these things going to be? What will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up, you Jews, to the tribulation, kill you, and you will be hated by all nations. So there has to be a nation, doesn't there? And there is the nation Israel. You'll be hated of all nations at the end for my name's sake. And it's kind of happening, but they haven't come to know the Lord yet. Then many will be offended and betray one another, hate one another. Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end, that means of the tribulation, shall be saved or delivered. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached. Now, some people make such a mistake here. We don't preach the gospel of the kingdom today. But during the tribulation, the gospel of the kingdom, the king is coming. That's the gospel of the kingdom. Today, it's the gospel of the grace. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. So this is further on. The gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all the world. We read that in Revelation, how it's going. angels will announce it from heaven. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, when we get to Daniel 9, we'll see this, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place. Oh, there's going to be an abomination of a terrible idol in God's holy place. Let whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea, see how Jewish this is, flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. 
See, this isn't the church. The church hasn't started yet until Acts chapter 2. This is about Israel, the Sabbath. For then will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, that's Israel, those days will be shortened. And then immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon won't give its light, verse 28. Now I want us to turn to Second Thessalonians 2 just a bit, to just see this for a minute, about this man of sin, this little horn. Because Paul is writing this second letter because the first letter was about the rapture, and so they think maybe it's already happened. Now chapter 2 said, Now brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, now, that's the rapture, his second coming for the church. Now, the church has started, as in the Thessalonian letter. It started in Acts chapter 2. You don't find the church in the Old Testament. You don't find the church in any of the Gospels, except I will build my church. The church started back here. Now, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus and our gathering together to him, don't be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit, as if at the day of the Lord has come. That would be the tribulation. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the departure happens. Now this word falling away, it's apostasian, and people like to call it the apostasy. There will be apostasy, but the Greek word, the noun, means separation or divorce, and from aphistomy, which is to remove until the church is removed, the falling away, departure. Write that down. And I first heard this from Dr. Pentecost. And the man of sin is revealed. See, first of all, we'll be removed. Then they'll know who the, we won't know who the Antichrist is. The man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that's called God or that's worshiped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he's God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things in 1 Thessalonians 4? And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed, the Antichrist, in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he, somebody, is restraining and will restrain until he's taken out of the way. I take that to be the rapture because when the Holy Spirit indwells us, when we go, he goes. Then he will begin to operate like he did in the Old Testament. Come on, David, or leave David. Or come on, Saul, leave Saul. Not permanently indwell like he does today. We read in Ephesians 1 that every believer today has the Holy Spirit indwelling and he'll never leave you. But so and when he's taken out of the way, that's the rapture, then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth, destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. All right, now just one more thing and then we'll close. Revelation 13. I stood on the sand of the sea and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea. This sounds like Daniel 7, doesn't it? Rising up out of the Mediterranean, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns seven crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Dr. Morris says that these are seven world empires, Egypt, Assyria, Babylonia, Medo-Persia, Roman, see, all of these world empires were controlled by Satan. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear. Who was the leopard? That was Greece. And his bear was Medo-Persia. 
and his mouth like the mouth of a lion, that's Babylon, and the dragon. Now we saw who the dragon in the previous chapter, chapter 12, verse 9, the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan. So who's the dragon? Just draw a line from there over to the 12th chapter, verse 9, and verse 3. The fiery red dragon with seven heads and ten horns. Who's controlling the earth? You know, when Jesus it was tempted by the devil, the devil took him up to a high pinnacle of the temple and said, Worship me and I'll give you all the nations of the earth because he controls them. He's controlled all of the nations. He controls America. So anyway, he said, The beast which I saw was like a leopard, feet like a bear, mouth like a lion, and the Satan gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. So during the tribulation, Satan will really be busy putting all of his people in charge. I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed. Now that finds out the Antichrist is going to have his arm and his eye, maybe an eye put out and a wound in the arm. That's Zechariah 11:14. If somebody finds it, you can read it. But we'll go on. But if you find it, we'll read it then. Saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded. But see, when you read all through the Bible, things just pop out that you wonder about. So all the world marveled and followed the beast. So they worshiped the dragon who gave authority to the beast. And they worshiped the beast saying, who's like the beast? Who's able to make war with him? He was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And he was given authority to continue for 42 months or three and a half years. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, to blaspheme God's name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. And it was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. We're going to see this in Daniel 11. And all who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. He who leads into captivity, there's no use of fighting against him. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and faith of the saints. Then I saw another beast. So this is the beast that is the Antichrist that we just met in chapter 7 of Daniel. Now next week, we'll maybe backtrack a little but go into chapter 8. All of Daniel so far is in the Aramaic language. But when you get to chapter 8, 8 through 12 are in the Hebrew language. Why? Well, so, oh, the liberals have fun with this. But why? Because especially concerns Israel, the Jew. But all of this other concerns all of us, the whole world. So, Lord, we ask that you would bless these things to our hearts as we look at the prophet Daniel and what he had to say. We ask that you'd bless our families. and Anyone that's sick, just raise them up, Lord. Or anyone who needs any special prayer, we ask that you would just meet every need in this room. In Jesus' name, amen.